a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Congress has a lot to do before it gets to the end of the year, including that little thing called funding the government and how they do that, whether it's through an omnibus package or a continuing resolution and kicking the can down the road. There's lots of implications to that, and often there's not a lot of transparency around it, and that's a real crucial conversation to get to. Uh, Really pleased to have back on the program with us Elaine McCusker, a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. As you previously they served as uh, acting undersecretary of defense, a comptroller at the U.S. Department of Defense. She knows her way around all of this. And Elaine, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, so let's get into this just a little bit. Uh, we often complain about continuing resolutions uh, because they just kind of keep spending on autopilot. Uh, and often that's a horrible thing because we're, we're spending a, a lot of money uh, that we don't have. But there's also this other component that sometimes we end up underfunding things that are really important and we lose that transparency Uh, in terms of what should happen. So as it relates to defense and defense spending, first give us just a little framework of where are we, what's actually going on? Yeah, so I'll start with a few fundamental points. The first is that defense, as the only mandatory and exclusive job of the federal government, should not be a priority. I think it should be the priority. Mm. And I think we should make clear for Americans what this priority costs. Second, as you mentioned, defense is currently losing more than $200 million per day under a continuing resolution, which is what happens when Congress does not pass annual appropriations bills before the end of the fiscal year. So defense has been operating under CR for 48 days since October 1st, and this is causing damage to our national security every Mm -hmm. day. By the time the current CR expires on December 16th, defense will have lost close to $16 billion in buying power. And, you know, when we talk about defense, these are big numbers. So just to put that in context for people, that amount of money could buy 24 F-15 EX aircraft plus two Virginia-class submarines plus two Arleigh Burke-class destroyers. So this is real money with real capability being lost in this buying power. And I think the third fundamental area that I just want to note real quick is that, um, you know, as we're I – don't, I don't think we're spending as much on defense as people may think – And this is where transparency on the largest discretionary budget that we have and what we're really asking our military to do is really important because we're making policy and funding decisions on information that may not be correct. Uh, That's so that's so important. I want to dig into a couple of those things. You you look at it from just this buying power uh, component, you know, the fact that we're just on this autopilot thing. Uh, with inflation uh, and all of those other factors going on at a time where there's great instability in a lot of places around the world. 
uh, I, I love the fact that you pointed out that this is actually the only mandatory function <laughs> that uh, that Congress is supposed to do every single year, and we kept we keep doing it in the the worst possible way. We really do, and you know, I think it's particularly as you mentioned important this year with inflation. You know, we're essentially you know continuing to run the department with last year's funding, last year's priorities. Money's in the wrong account. You can't do anything new. You can't do production increases, which is so important for us to be able to do. And at the same time, with the expanding definition of national security and thereby defense, we're asking our military to do so many more things outside of what its core function is. As a matter of fact, last week, uh, American Enterprise Institute released a report with the catchy title, Defense Budget Transparency and the Cost of Military Capability, which um, notes that, and I can get more into the analysis on this, but the key conclusion is that close to $109 billion of the defense budget does not actually directly produce military capability. And this expanding definition of national security means that not only are we on autopilot, like you said, on our spending, which is a lot less than what's needed, we're also asking the military to do a lot more things. And I think a lot more things than people realize. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, and, and I want to get to that. Uh, you pointed out in uh, your piece in, on the Hill uh, a few days ago uh, that, that the Pentagon sort of become this easy button <laughs> to address whatever problem is going on. The world's like, oh yeah, they can they can do that, uh, but it's really not part of the the core function. Uh, so how do we get more transparency in t- in terms of okay, what what is that core function, and then what are we doing to make sure we're strengthening uh, and doing what we're supposed to do? What that core function is. So this report is really, I think, an initial phase in trying to get, you know, some, some shed some light on this issue. And in the report, we adhere to what I consider to be a traditional definition of national security and one that underpins the DOD mission. And that is to, quote, provide the military forces needed to deter war and ensure our nation's security, end quote. That's the mission of the Department of Defense. And what we find when we have um, divided the budget for, for simplicity into three basic buckets, the first is what I just described, traditional military spending. The second is personnel and compensation and benefits, because I think we need to highlight that as well. As personnel costs go up, we want to make sure we take care of our military and understand what that means. And then the third category is non-defense spending. And, you know, those last two categories together with our initial analysis adds up to about $109 billion. And so, the department is doing a lot of things that people may not realize. I mean, it has a huge defense health program. It is duplicating research of other federal departments that are in charge of this kind of thing. It runs schools, runs grocery stores. It does environmental restoration. Um, it does humanitarian aid, security assistance. I and mean, there's a lot of things in the budget that, given its size and complexity, people may not really realize how much money is going to these types of activities. Yeah, and I, I think that is such a crucial conversation there. And again, part of this whole idea of can we just do this uh, not at uh, eleven fifty nine p.m. <laughs> you know, before Congress is heading out of town and uh, no one has a chance to read it, but to have the, these kind of conversations in committees uh, and then on the floor of the House and the Senate, where the American people can actually say, "Oh, 
that's where that money is going or, oh, that's why that's important or why is the military doing this and not that? Uh, I think those are the kinds of conversations we have to get to. Otherwise, we, we end up with this same perpetual cycle, uh, which is not good for our military, which is not good for our security. Absolutely agree. And I think, you know, that's one of the points I tried to make in the piece last week for the um, the Congress that you know, is kind of back in town this week, that it's really important that they, they finish their work on the appropriations bill for the reasons we discussed. I mean, just sort of wasting time and, and losing buyer, buying power, but also on the defense authorization bill, which is thousands of pages of, you know, defense policy and also a lot of stuff, you know, loaded in there that has nothing to do with defense. And I think, you know, it's important that there's a lot of visibility into what's in there before members are asked to vote on it. And if they don't finish that work this calendar year, they push it into next year. And it hurts our military. It hurts our national security. And it hurts the transparency that I think taxpayers need. Yeah, I think that's so important. And that that uncertainty, uh, I want to I go back just a second on uh, on some of this spending. And uh, you talked about um, – Kind of what we're losing in that. So when when that appropriations is done, uh, let's say they're they're doing it on a certain type of helicopter. But if they decide that helicopter isn't the right one, uh, they can't just pivot that money and put it towards something different uh, because they're functioning off of that continuing resolution or the last uh, round of spending. That's right. And actually, in this uh, current continuing resolution that we have, they actually made it very clear by you know, stipulating that you're not allowed to do anything new. So they they basically made it a point to remind all the federal agencies that while we're not getting our job done, you are not allowed to move ahead. And mm. that means that you can't do anything new. And you, you often hear people say, well, as long as we get an annual appropriation bill, eventually you can make up that and, you know, it's no big deal. But you can't buy that time. Right. I mean, this is directly related to our competitiveness. And if we're losing three, six, seven, eight months in each fiscal year, sort of waiting for final appropriations to happen, you can't ever buy that back. I mean, you know, we get to a point where we don't even prepare to start anything new in the, at the beginning of the fiscal year. And so all of our contracts are pushed to later in the year and you do incremental funding, which by its nature is inefficient. The taxpayer is not getting the most bang for its buck um, on the way we do this. So we really have to, I think, get serious about understanding what these ramifications are and get our members of Congress to make this priority one when they when they get into their job. Yeah, absolutely. I, that Especially as we look at the positioning with China, we look at what's going on with Russia, that opportunity cost is, is so huge. We, we, As you said, uh, Elaine, we can't get that time back. And then the uncertainty it creates uh, for those functioning uh, in the institutions and our, and our frontline women and men uh, those are that's the kind of uncertainty we just cannot afford to have when it comes to, to national security. Anything else that you're watching for uh, or any indicators you're looking at as we uh, roll into this crucial couple of weeks? You know, the other key point I think that is interesting about the budget agreement and discussions that take place during preparing a budget agreement is this idea that started back at least at the time of the Budget Control Act. And I don't want to give people nasty flashbacks to BCA and sequestration, but (laughs) at that time, Congress would get together and figure out how to exceed these caps because it knew how destructive they were and what a failure it was to have them in place. And as part of that, they had discussions on defense, non-defense parity, essentially meaning that, you know, to reach an agreement, you had to be spending the same amount of money on domestic priorities as you are on national security priorities, which is ridiculous. 
Um, and, and at the time, I actually ended up putting more money into domestic agencies than they could effectively spend, while capping defense at sort of some arbitrary level. And I think we need to, number one, stop doing that. And number two, if we are going to continue to have that be part of the budget agreement, we need to have a realistic look at what we're actually spending on military capability. And I don't think that we have that right now for yeah. those discussions. Uh, so important. Elaine McCusker, Senior Fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, great perspective, as always. So we'll be watching this crucial conversation in the weeks ahead. I'm sure we will be talking again soon. Great. Thank you. More Inside Sources coming up on KSL News Radio. Stick around. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.